Thank you, Brandon and your worship team. Um, just connecting us with the Spirit of God this morning. And I love how you kind of keyed in on those, those particular lines of those songs. Um, no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. It made me think, um, if the Lord is for me, who can be against me? Right? Amen. God is so good. Well, I, uh, Barbie and I missed being with you guys last week. Um, we were out in Indiana at uh, my son's college graduation, and uh, it was a great weekend for us, but, uh, but we missed you guys, and, um, and so, uh, you know, some real positive things have been going on in our lives, uh, we've had some, some fun things take place, um, I don't know whether I've publicly said this or not, many of you know it because of probably Facebook or whatever, but... Um, Clear back at Christmas time, we found out that uh, Barbie and I are going to be grandparents. Yeah. We're pretty excited about that. Our daughter is uh, with child, and uh, she's going to have the baby in August, and we're excited about that. Uh, first time grandparents, so um, we're looking forward to what all of you grandparents have described uh, to us. We're looking forward to that. Uh, and then on Palm Sunday... Uh, we were at uh, my son's house out in New Springfield, and we were there actually for a gender reveal of our daughter's baby, uh, Leah's baby, and uh, found out that day that she's having a little girl, and so we're, we're going to have a granddaughter, and we were excited, and you know, everything was just happy that day and really good, and we were out there for quite a, uh, some time after church, and... and uh, Somebody said, well, we just need to get pizza because we're getting hungry again. And they ordered pizza, and so uh, the pizza came. And my son prayed for the pizza, and as he prayed for the pizza, he thanked the Lord for the new addition to their family. And we were like, whoa, you know, wait a minute. You know, he said amen, and we were like, what? You know, and, and so we're going to be grandparents times two. Uh, yeah. We're, we're so excited about that. And... Uh, and our grand uh, or our our uh, daughter-in-law is due in uh, November, and so uh, we're excited about uh, those things. And it's just it's a lot of joy, uh, and really proud of my son uh, graduating college. Uh, we just really celebrated him uh, last weekend, and so um, so thank you, thank you for uh, permitting us to go out to that. And and uh, somebody said to me this morning, "You don't look old enough to be grand uh, grandpa." Uh, thank you uh, so much. I appreciate that. I'll take all those compliments. Barbie and I will take those compliments. Uh, we don't have any cash, but we can maybe work something out, you know, if you want to, like, throw those our way. But, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you uh, celebrating with us and, and, and being joyful with us about these really good things. Um, yeah, I know I, I kind of missed last week, but I'm not quite finished talking about those um, those days right after the resurrection. And so uh, I hope you're you're uh, you're happy to hear more 
about those times, those days. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, time, the time right after Jesus rose from the dead, and uh, how the followers, his followers, uh, witnessed him in his resurrection and what that meant to them. You know, understand this: Jesus' resurrection was a vital part of the trans, uh, transformation that we see in the disciples. His, his resurrection was essential to that transformation that we see in them. You know, when, when Jesus was arrested, the disciples were terrified. They were, they were scared. And so as we read through the scriptures about that moment in time when he was arrested and going through the trials and, and all the things that he went through in the crucifixion, um, his disciples, they were acting cowardly. They were, they were hiding in the shadows. They were hiding in their homes or their, the, the room. And, and so, uh, you know, all of these things, you know, they were definitely uh, scared. <laughs> they were scared, okay? And, and they were a slave to fear. They were a slave to fear. Um, but I, I love the fact that even in that song, it talks about, you know, the resurrection. It talks about, you know... How Jesus rose. And so, you know, when, when Jesus uh, died and rose, and then they had the opportun- uh, opportunity to see him face to face, that was a very big deal for them. And, and you see that, that as they were able to uh, see him face to face, they walked with him, they talked with him, they ate with him. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it even says that, they did this for 40, 40 days. 40 days they seen Jesus. They were uh, living life with Jesus. And so when we get to uh, Pentecost, which happens then in Acts chapter 2, we see a very different group of disciples than the disciples who were cowardly and hiding in the shadows when Jesus was arrested. And so... Um, on that day of Pentecost, they were public in their faith with Jesus, and they are out in the open, and not just out in the open, they were letting everyone know about Jesus. They are letting everyone know. So, uh, so they were all in with whatever Jesus told them to do, and you can imagine why. A very huge part of the reason for this transformation was that they were amazed at what they had experienced with the risen Lord the risen Lord. They believed with all their heart that Jesus truly is the, rex- the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus said he would rise from the dead, and he did. And so because of that, now whatever he said, they could bank on it, right? I mean, just think about that. If, if, if somebody that you were close to said, I'm going to die... But after I die, three days later, I'm going to rise. And then they did it. Then pretty much everything that they said to you after that, you'd be like, okay. I believe you. I trust you. It's going to happen. So Jesus, he, he came back and he rose and he, he, he interacted with them for, like I said, like 40 days. And there was no doubt as to the truth of whatever he said. And so... The disciples were ready for the commission. 
They were ready for the, uh, the mandate. They were ready for their marching orders. And when Jesus gave them this commission, this mandate, their marching orders, it was go, right? Go and make, what was that? Disciples. Go and make disciples. Go ye therefore and make disciples. Go tell. Go, right? But they needed something first. They needed something first. They needed to go get their discipleship diploma. They needed to take a witnessing class. They needed to practice on each other. They needed to get ordained because all they needed to be was pastors. I'm glad I'm hearing no. Because that's not right, is it? That's not true. They didn't, they didn't, when Jesus said go, first of all, let's just, let's just say this. They had already been discipled, right? I mean, for three years, they had walked with Jesus. For three years, they had soaked in the things that he taught. They were, they were taking in everything that he said. They were, they were experiencing all of that. And so when Jesus said, you know, go and make disciples, they understood what that meant because they had been discipled themselves. These disciples had walked for, with Jesus for three years, and, and they embraced his teachings, and they had a better understanding of the scriptures because of being discipled by Jesus. They had been trained for three years, and please understand, I, I want to make it certain this morning that I am not minimizing discipleship. We need to be discipled, right? That is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus, to be discipled, trained, understand better what it means to follow him, to walk in his path, to walk in his ways, to walk according to the word of God. We need that. We need that discipling. And so the, the fact of the matter remains that these disciples who had had all this training, who had walked with Jesus and soaked in everything that he had taught them, these disciples, when Jesus was arrested, ran and hid. So can we agree this morning that we need more than being just discipled. Going through a class isn't going to get it. It's not going to get it. It's important, but it's not going to get it. There's more to it. You see? They had training, but they were missing something. Now, part of that witnessing Jesus alive from the dead, that was definitely part of what would fill them with some courage, right? Because now they understood that death wasn't the end. Now they understood that Jesus had victory over death. And so they didn't have to be afraid of death. So that definitely had a big part in helping them to be courageous and brave. But they actually needed to get something that uh, we all need, every single one of us need. Let's just call it some spiritual muscle. They needed some spiritual muscle. Okay? 
And it wasn't going to happen. I'm not talking about working out, like physically working out. I'm talking about like they needed something different. The thing Jesus actually instructed them to do as he, as he ascended back to heaven, after the 40 days, as he ascended back to heaven, he instructed them to do something. You ready for this? This is like so deep. This is so deep. You're just, after I say this, you're going to be like, Ready? Jesus told them to wait. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was hoping one person would say, wow. There was one wow. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 44, we're going to read through 53. And I want you to uh, just kind of see what's going on here. He, he being Jesus, will you stand with me, please? Makes me feel better when you're standing for the word. Thank you so much. He, being Jesus, told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I know you're standing here with me, but I I just want to stop right there and just say, what is Jesus doing here? He is helping his disciples understand that everything that they just witnessed him go through, the arrest, the trial, the beatings, the mockings, the crucifixion, all all of that he just went through that just horrified them. He's helping them to understand that this was the scriptures This was the prophecies. I had to go through this. And he's helping them to understand that. And it it goes on. It says that basically. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy And they were continually in the temple praising God. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, I appreciate you standing with me. Now, this didn't take away from the commission to go. This didn't take away from the commission to go. But it did say not yet. And, and, And why not yet? Because the disciples needed time with God. They, they needed, and please, please get that this morning. Because, listen, folks, we cannot be the witnesses that we need to be for Jesus unless we are spending time with Jesus. <laughs> and they needed that. They needed time with God. They needed um, 
They needed an understanding of what it meant to commune with God. They needed to receive from God. They needed to meditate uh, with God. They, they needed to spend some time understanding what uh, it, all of these things meant. And they needed time to lift their heart to God and pray and seek what he wanted in their lives. Now, you would think they should have been together for the purpose of planning, Right? I mean, that, isn't that what we would do? Okay. <laughs> All right. So Jesus tells us to be witnesses. So now let's get together and plan. Right? So we've got a plan. We've got to put things together. We've got to have this, this, this launch date. We've got to come up with a date first, right? I mean, you, gotta, you have a date. You have a location, 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 right? It's got to be a great location. And you've got to have great songs. So we're going to need a great song set. And we, and we need somebody to sing that's really just going to grab everyone's attention and just touch people's hearts. And, and we just need all of these things. And, oh, we better have security because this is Jerusalem we're talking about. And we know how dangerous that is for Jesus' followers. And so we have to do all this planning. And we're going to put all of this together, and it's going to be great. We're going to plan, and we're going to make sure that it is great. That's what we do, Right? All right, nothing wrong with planning. Nothing wrong with planning. In fact, our God is a God that plans things. He is. Remember um, when we had the, the Palm Sunday service? Uh, and we were talking about, you know, the time in which Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey that he had planned Jesus planned things. There's nothing wrong with planning. When we're going to do something, we should plan. We should put our heart into it. We should put our best into it, right? Amen. We're doing it for Jesus. Let's do it the best way we know how, right? But that's not what these folks did. If you look at Acts chapter 1. Verses 12 through 14. Now, this is really neat because verse 12 of Acts picks up right where we left off with 50, uh, uh, verse 53 in Luke 24. Okay? Picks it right up. Okay? And it says, then they returned to Jerusalem. So Jesus ascended back to heaven. He had told them, you go to Jerusalem and wait. You know, stay there. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs. We call that the upper room, right? Where they were staying, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. That's not Judas Iscariot. He took his own life because of what he did with Jesus. That's a different Judas. Judas, the son of James. They were all... I'm going to slow down here. This is important. They were all continually united in prayer. They were all continually united in prayer. It's important. Along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, they were praying. They were praying. There were 120 of them 
And they were gathered together in this upper room and they were waiting and they were praying. They say, 120, where'd you get that? Well, 15th verse, if you just read on, 15th verse, it tells us there was 120 of them. But 120 of them were gathered together in this upper room and they were praying, they were waiting, they were praying, they were communing with God. And I want to propose to you that they were doing the one thing that would prepare them for the going. (laughs) They were doing the one thing that would prepare them for the going. They were doing the one thing that would prepare them most for this amazing day in which they were going to have the opportunity to share Jesus. You see, as they were staying, they were praying, and it was for the going. And they were doing the same, they were doing the one thing that would make them ready to go and tell, go and do what Jesus had instructed them to do. Praying was vital to what was in store for them. They were going to have the opportunity to share Jesus with thousands. Did they know that? Maybe. Maybe not. But they were going to have that opportunity. You see, the Jews, uh, they were having this festival called Pentecost. And Pentecost, uh, the word Pentecost actually means 50th. Now, the reason that it's called Pentecost then is because Pentecost falls on the 50th day after Passover. Okay, and so if it, maybe if you could just do the math, anybody here a mathematician? Anybody here love math? Come on, there's got to be somebody. There, yeah, there he is, right there. Yeah, all right, all right, good. Yeah, math. So if you're doing the math, you can kind of figure this out. You know, Jesus died on the Passover. He rose three days later on a Sunday. 40 days, 40 days he was with them. He sent them back to heaven, and they went back to Jerusalem and waited and prayed. How long did they wait and pray? It was days. It was days. Waiting and praying for days. They were really praying. They were putting their heart into it. And that explains, that explains because the Pentecost was a festival that, was, um, that brought just as many people into Jerusalem as the Passover. And so that explains why in Acts 2, when you begin to read about the day of Pentecost, you see all these nations listed about how many people were there and all these different nationalities were listed. And that's because there was a multitude of people in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Now, I say all that to say this, the disciples knowingly or unknowingly were being prepared to minister in Jesus' name so that thousands of people could hear about him on the day of Pentecost. I say knowingly because uh, maybe they were thinking, hey, you know what? The festival of Pentecost, there's going to be so many people here. Let's, let's be, let, let, let that be the day. We'll have all kinds of people to tell about Jesus. Maybe they knew that. Maybe they planned that. If they did, fantastic. But you know what? Sometimes God works apart from our plans, doesn't he? Sometimes God does things and, and it blows our planning out of the water. It's just like, it like, wow, God had something bigger than we anticipated. God had something greater than we ever imagined. And so knowingly or unknowingly, they were preparing for something that was really going to change the landscape of what it meant 
to be a follower of Jesus. They were being prepared by God, and their preparation was coming to them through consecrated, dedicated, devoted, steadfast prayer, praise, and worship. And I want to tell you this morning that it is being, uh, it is being discipled, uh, it, is, it is prayer, it is praise, and it is worship that prepares us for sharing Jesus. Why? Because it is by prayer that we get prepared for and invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. So you'd say, Pastor, you said all that to say that? Yeah, I guess I did. I guess I did. You know when I was talking about they needed spiritual muscle? They needed the Holy Spirit of God. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are enabled, we are strengthened, we are empowered, we are emboldened, we are inspired to be witnesses for Jesus. If we look again at Acts chapter 1, verse 8 this time, just backing up just a few verses, again, Jesus was speaking and he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses, right, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It also says in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the counselors, again, this is Jesus speaking, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And so you see, the Holy Spirit was vital to the early followers of Jesus so that they could be witnesses and so that they could have the power and the, uh, the authority and just the, the, the boldness to be able to witness for Jesus. But it wasn't just that, because when we are filled and when the Holy Spirit is upon us and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we not only have the power and the boldness and the courage and all of those kinds of things, but we also have something that will sharpen our minds and help us to recall the things that we have learned and help us to understand the things that we have read. The Holy Spirit is vital to us being the witnesses that God wants us to be. And so for each of us today, the Holy Spirit is vital for us to be Jesus followers. These early believers, 120 of them, and that seems, you say 120, and that's a relative term, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's relative. You say 120, that's a lot. Or you say, 120, that's not very many, you know. But 120 of them were gathered together in this room, and they were waiting, and they were contemplating, and they were encouraging each other, and, and they, were, um, they were exhorting one another, and they were praying together. But I believe more than anything else, they were, as they were praying, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. They were receiving the promise that the Father had given. 
They were receiving what Jesus told them to go and wait for. (laughs) And so we don't know what they were praying for exactly. Uh, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that they weren't praying about Aunt Esther's cold. And please, please understand that I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for Aunt Esther's cold. We should. We should. Uh, The word tells us that we should pray for the sick. The word instructs us to pray for those who have need, that that are hurting, that that are struggling. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the ones that we love, that have a a need, a physical need, such as that. So I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is this. I believe they had a sense of the importance of their commission. I, I, I believe that they knew how vital it was to fulfill Jesus' mandate for them to be witnesses. They understood the spiritual importance of getting the word out. And so I believe they were praying and asking for strength for the task. I believe they were in the presence of God, and they were, as they were in the presence of God, they were taking in everything that he was giving them. They had been told about the Holy Spirit, the helper, by Jesus, and I believe they were praying for the Holy Spirit to be upon them and to fill them, and they wanted nothing more than to be filled with the Spirit of God, to do God's work, because they understood this is the biggest thing we've been given to do in life. Jesus, our risen Savior, said, go and be my witnesses. Go and make disciples. And as they gathered together, they thought, we're not ready. <laughs> we're not ready. We've been discipled. We've had all this teaching. We know what Jesus said. We understand the scriptures. And now we've seen Jesus face to face, but we're still not ready. We're still not prepared. We're still scared, fear. We're still scared about this. They needed something more, and that something more was a someone more, the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, how we need that today. Amen. We need the transformation that we witness in Peter. Peter denied Jesus while he was on trial, but once the day of Pentecost came Peter spoke in front of thousands on Jesus' behalf. That transformation that he received, it wasn't something that he got because all of a sudden he decided he was going to pull himself up by his bootstraps. Peter didn't just all of a sudden think, you know what, I just got to get courageous. I just need to get brave. I just need to go do this. You know, he didn't didn't like psych himself up. He didn't stand in front of the mirror and go, I got to do this. Come on, you know. (laughs) He wasn't doing that. Something else happened to Peter. Something that can happen to every single one of us. You think about Peter. He was an extrovert, wasn't he? I mean, from what we read about Peter, he was an extrovert. He was all, we, we all know the extroverts, right? Right? It's the ones who, in a, like a, a setting where there's a group of people and a question is asked, they're like, ooh, 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 ooh. They want to answer every question. They want to get up front. They want to talk. They want to tell people. They, Peter was an extrovert. 
your personality isn't enough. It's not enough. Because this extrovert, he cowered in the shadows. For Peter and, and, and for us, it is the spirit of the living God filling him, strengthening him, empowering him. And I believe one of the most vital things that transpired between Jesus' ascension and this day of Pentecost was the praying that took place by 120 followers that had a deep heart's desire to carry out the commission of Jesus. To them, it was a matter of prayer. It was the most important thing that they had going on in life. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you so concerned about today that you've made it a matter of prayer? And I want to tag on that, that if if being a witness for Jesus isn't on that list, put it on the list. And if it's low on the list, put it to the top. That's what we're here for. That's why we're here. We're here to be witnesses for Jesus. Reconcilers in this world for the Lord. The same strengthening, the same empowering, the same, uh, the same emboldening is available to God's church, Jesus' followers, us today. Now, what's interesting is they didn't go to the altar and boom, they got it. That's not what we see, right? I mean, Jesus didn't say, okay, now go to Jerusalem and when you get there, get on your knees, and you'll get the Holy Spirit. He just said, go and wait. And I think they understood by, watching, by being discipled, okay, by being discipled, I think they understood what it meant to go to the Lord in prayer. They had witnessed Jesus doing this. They had witnessed Jesus and how he went continually to the Lord in prayer. And so I think they understood when they went back to that upper room, they got in that upper room, I think they sang some worship songs. I think they got in a frame of mind to be in, in the frame of mind with the Lord. And they, they understood that the presence of God was with them. And as they experienced the presence of God, they began to pray and they began to seek him and they began to get on their face and ask him and they began to receive from him. But it wasn't just a boom, they got it. It was a thing that they had to really wait and pray and commune with God and pray further and get consecrated and pray. And you see, there are things that are not just handed to us by God. There are things that take devoted prayer there are things that take a lot of consecration. There are things which take praying and fasting. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Can I interest you this morning? 
in starting this kind of devoted prayer. For us to be receivers of the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit upon us and in us so that we can be powerful witnesses for Jesus in our lives. Do you want to be a powerful witness for Jesus? Like just everywhere you go, just really, people just see Jesus on you. They hear about Jesus from you. They experience Jesus because of your life. That's the way we need to be, right? We need the Holy Spirit. And we need to be people that continually pray for this. And I, and, and I don't know what that looks like exactly, but individually I know that it, it looks like in our prayer life. In our prayer life, continually asking and praying for the Holy Spirit to be upon us and to fill us and empower us. But I think it also looks like gathering together and praying together at these altars of prayer. I think it also looks like the small groups coming together and, yeah, eating and having fun and, and, and talking about the scriptures and stuff, but also really praying together. I think it looks like the women and the, the, the Bible study and the thing, praying together, the men praying together. We need to be praying together and asking, God, use us, fill us, empower us, strengthen us. We want to be witnesses for you in this place, our sphere of influence, we want to impact it for Jesus. Our families impact them for Jesus. Our church impacted for Jesus. Our community impacted for Jesus, right? And it's, and we can do it because it's not of us, it's of Him. Will you join me in praying this morning? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we bow before you, Lord, we are indeed, we are indeed moved by what took place in that upper room. It moves us, Lord, because we know that that's, that's what we need. We need that same waiting and praying and anticipating and consecrating and receiving your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, this morning, we're joining our hearts together. We're joining our hearts together like the 120 did. And we're asking this morning that you will, Lord, place your Holy Spirit upon us, within us. Lord, that we will be empowered to be the, the, the powerful witnesses for you wherever we go. Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, that these prayers, this, this prayer, the prayer of our heart for you to empower us and strengthen us and embolden us and, and, and teach us and help us to know and discern and understand the things that we need so that we can witness for you wherever we go, that this prayer of our heart right now will not be a prayer that ends when I say amen. But it will be a prayer that continues on, Lord. It will continue on in our personal life, in a time of devotion, in a time of prayer and meditation that we have on our own. 
but also, Lord, it will continue on in our families and in our small groups and those places, Lord, where we can come together with other believers and, Lord, unite our hearts together in prayer and pray together, Lord, that you're going to do something great, something powerful, something wonderful in us so that we can be the witnesses that you have called us to be. Lord, do that, Lord, we pray, because we desire so much to be faithful to you, faithful witnesses, making a difference in the world around us for you in your name. Lord, we want to impact the world around us for you. We want to be reconcilers, as it tells us that we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Lord, we want to reconcile the world to you, and we cannot do that without the power of your Holy Spirit. We cannot do that without a filling of your Holy Spirit within our hearts and lives. And so we pray right now, Lord, that you will do those things in us so that we can glorify and honor you in what we do and how we talk and what we say and how we live. Help us, Lord, to make a difference wherever we go, at our jobs, around our neighborhood, and in this community, this Talmadge community for you. We love you, and we thank you, Lord, for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're counting on that promise today. We're banking on that promise that the Father sends his Holy Spirit to be our helper, our counselor, our teacher. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit.